Today's episode of the Magic Hour is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. And if you're doing one, 10, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Welcome to the newest episode of The Magic Hour here at the Forum Club here at The Athletic. Uh, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky uh, hosting, as we do. Uh, please, uh, we appreciate you, you listening. Rate, subscribe, do all that good stuff uh, with the podcast. We do appreciate you listening. Andy, it's been a, a busy week in the NBA. Yes, it has. Uh, the trade deadline, which I think everybody thought was going to be kind of benign. Eh. Like nothing really is going to happen. Basically, just where is Andre Iguodala going to Right. Land? And, you know, maybe Covington gets traded. Maybe. Yeah. But, like, it, was, it, it got kind of bonkers. I mean, if nothing else, nobody expected Robert Covington to get traded in a 12-player, four-team deal. I know. And, and, like, and a fun one at that. But, like, you know, Denver got involved a little bit. You know, not not in, in significant ways that, that impact, but like kind of around the edges in Minnesota and then the Golden State thing and, uh, you know, the Wiggins for Russell stuff, which is, you know, um, interesting. interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out on both. Yeah, you know, Wiggins played well in in his uh, Warriors debut against the Lakers on Saturday. As the uh, old saying goes, Brian, it always helps to make your debut against a totally disinterested team. Yes, uh, and I think it's fair to say, Andy, the Lakers were disinterested. Yes, they were. Um, but you know, obviously, I think the you know, there are two things I, th- I think that are that are really important in terms of the trade deadline. We'll start with the Lakers. Um, and and they're they're related. It's the Lakers. What the Lakers d- didn't do, um, and what was done around them uh, in in the Pacific Division. And uh, you know it it starts with that sort of non movement. So let's let's do that. The Lakers don't do anything. Um, it's Andy. It's in the context of not being really having the ammo to get the Marcus Morris thing uh, taken care of. They just. Really didn't have the stuff, I think, in the yeah, end. Yeah, they were in talks with the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks reportedly wanted both Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green. And the Lakers, I think, very understandably said, no, no. we can't do that. That's and too it, much. Right, because, I mean, you can make an argument, Andy, that Morris is better than Kuzma, which I actually think is just straight up true. Um, you can make an argument that Morris is better than Green. You cannot make an argument that he's better than both of them in terms of the Lakers trading both. Because if you, yeah, I mean, Morris solved some problems, but you trade Green and Kuzma together. Now you're opening up others. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, absolutely. You need to make sure that you're not making a sideways move. It's interesting, though. Well, because, that one sends you backwards. Right. I mean, it's interesting that because a few weeks ago, just as a total hypothetical, like to talk about a more philosophical question with the Lakers with deadline in terms of just would you move? A player that could be on balance better for a player that isn't maybe quite as good, at least in certain respects, 
but could address specific needs that you have sure. as the Lakers. My hypothetical was actually Danny Green, Green for Marcus, Marcus Morris. Morris, but it wasn't Danny and Green. This was before and, anybody, right. right, but this is before anybody was even talking about right. it. Right, and again, you can make the argument one, of the, but not both. And so either Lakers, uh, you know, there's all kinds of reporting that comes up, but that's one that I've seen in a few different spots. You know, like that's what it was. And, you know, certainly I think that was what Ramona's reporting and Wojo's reporting. Um, you can't do that deal. And then once you get past that, the Lakers didn't have the ammo to do the Covington thing. They certainly, you know, I, I don't know, you know, in terms of other names that, that moved around that were sought after by the Lakers, it was really just Morris and Covington. And, and both of them were difficult to pull off. All of this, though, for the Lakers, and we'll get into the Morris, the impact of Morris going to the Clippers, obviously, which was a big deal. And we'll talk about that later in the show. All of this, though, was done in the context of the Lakers feeling like or certainly projecting and Lakers fans and certainly media feeling like there's a really good chance that Darren Collison would end up on the Lakers. Yeah, coming out of retirement and joining the Lakers as a free agent. It had been reported that he was going to be making um, a decision sometime this week that uh, this is Sunday, February 9th, as we're recording, that the, that the decision would come out sometime this week, um, that his decision would come down to the Lakers or the Clippers, Clippers. and he actually attended uh-huh. Friday night's game? Friday night, yeah. Friday night's game. Um, because it was back-to-back. They played Friday and Saturday, or was it Thursday? No, no, it was no, Thursday. Thursday's game, Thursday. uh, hosting the Houston Rockets. Darren Collison was there as a guest of Jeannie Buss. Who, I should make note, owns the team. Yes. She um, is in charge. Yes, and uh, it is <laughs> without question an effort of recruiting on their part, and that you know they were hoping to get Darren Collison enticed by the idea of joining him. He got put on the uh, jumbotron. There was right. a ton of cheering. Apparently, all that stuff. None of it worked because we learned Sunday, and and it was. I think people just sort of assumed if he was going through this that he was coming back. Matt Barnes on his podcast last week, or I guess this week, however you want to define it said that in his conversations with Collison, he was still 50-50 on it. Like, you got to yeah. remember, this is a guy who walked away from easily a $10 million contract this year. Um, all of a sudden, clearly wasn't going to be swayed by, you know, a need, I got to get out there and make some money this year, whatever it is. I mean, you know, just do that. So uh, we learned Sunday that Collison's just going to stay retired. Now, whether that means forever or whether that means for the rest of this year, either way, he's not going to be a Laker. And so... All of a sudden, like Telling you right now, if I'm Jeannie Buss, I'm sending that dude an invoice. That's right. Um, I hope she didn't pay for, for tickets like, for did all I, the they concessions. Va- probably, they probably validated his parking. Oh, I, I was just about to say parking. I mean everything. Every single nickel that you could invoice that dude for, because I'm sure Darren Collison was coming at this from a very good, nice place, whatever. A little bit humiliating. <laughs> it's, a li- it's a little bit humiliating to have that guy so front and center with a recruiting pitch. I mean, it's not quite stay D12, those billboards, but it's very public, yeah. the recruiting, oh, and, and then him And then he declining. says no. And, and th- at least, I mean, the only thing is at least he didn't end up in the Clippers, but like, this is a, it's, Darren Collison's a, a, a solid player. Yeah. It's, he's not a game, he's not like they, you know, he's not a superstar, he's not an all-star, but given what the Lakers need, and we've, Lord knows, Andy, we've talked on this show about the need, you know, to to lighten LeBron's load and uh, make the non-LeBron minutes better. I mean, all of these things. Darren Collison was far and away the best player that was that was 
both available and going to be available to solve those problems. Like this is, it, it was a way for the Lakers to improve themselves by shoring up their weaknesses. And you start looking now at what else they might be able to do. And it is bleak out there, man. I mean, this is one of those things that like when people talk about the, the roster construction, all that, like the, the Lakers, and, and it, well, it's okay. They'll be able to go out and find somebody. The buyout market, veterans always. Well, the one veteran that they were trying to woo isn't coming. And this year, at least, there ain't much else out there. Yeah. I mean, there is some expect. I mean, uh, it's been reported, by the way, before we even get into some uh, expected potentials, um, that the Lakers are going to be having conversations um, with Dion Waiters, who right. was uh, waived what? by Memphis um, As, after he was part, part of the Miami dollar deal. Right. right. Um, he. They were uh, already scheduled. Did they, had they they were scheduled to work out J.R. Smith, I believe. Yes, this, that's happening supposedly this uh, week. If it hasn't already happened, it's going I to think, be happening. I, I lose sometimes. Yeah, I lose track. Of, but like uh, he was on the list. They're going to have to, I I think, take uh, the temperature of Dion Waiters to figure out exactly where that guy's head is at. Let me, let me let's just look before we move off of Waiters Island. This is that's not a this is not a helpful idea. Like J.R. J.R. Smith is not a helpful idea. J.R. Smith has not been a productive player in the NBA for a few years. This year he was playing in China, I believe. Last year he was released by the Cavs 11 games into the season. Um, he he shot in his last full season of the NBA, shot 40%. Um, how many? I mean, I'm being serious. How many years ago was that? 2017, 2018 okay. with Cleveland. Just wanted to make sure it was the year before that. He was a 34 percent, 30 shot, 35 percent from the floor, not from three point range, from the floor. Uh, you know, 2015, 2016 shot 40 percent with the Cavs from three point range. That's a long time ago. He was 30. He's now 34. Um, Jared Smith is not going to help this team. I mean, if for what it's worth, he's always been young for his age. That's true. Uh, <laughs> he's probably a very young 34 mentally. Does keep you young. Uh, J.R. Smith is not going to help his team. Deion Waiters is not a good option here. You don't just airmail. First of all, you need secondary playmaking and like good judgment. Well, I mean, Deion Waiters is not a bad playmaker. He actually is not. I no, mean, but he's not. At, at his best. At I mean, his, what, what, when does what, that happen? A couple seasons ago. I mean, he, in 2017, in 30 minutes, averaged 4.3 assists. 2018, averaged th- almost four assists per game in about 30 minutes. I, I mean, guess, I mean, he, he can make plays. You can make the argument, and, at least. He, and Dion Waiters, and he'll be the first to tell you, he can score. Yes. Oh, he'll, at least he'll try. <laughs> he'll you shoot know, a I lot. mean, he's never been an efficient scorer, and he, you know, he is a- No. Yeah, he's an, no, he is uh, not. He is an okay, not great three-point shooter. He's not terrible. He's not great. He's fine. Well, it depends on the year. Some years he's better than others. No, but, but I mean, it is three mo- to his credit in the three most, games. If you look at his career, most of his right. seasons, he was a thirty. He's a thirty-five percent career three-point right. shooter uh, in the three games he played this year. In the NBA is a forty-seven percent. Last year is about thirty-eight percent. The year before, under thirty-one. The year before that, close to forty. So he's like most things in Dion Waiters' life. There's some inconsistency. Yeah. Um, he's also rarely available. He plays like 35 games a year. I mean, that's a so thing. Even counting the ones he gets suspended for. Right. I mean, there's just this feeling. <laughs> it's not even like maybe I think maybe you could look at it in the same way that you look at the Dwight thing. Um, a guy who 
clearly, I think, understand he's not even 30 years old yet. And Deion Waiters, like, very, very well could be out of the league um, after this year. If you put him in the right environment, last chance theater, our last chance saloon, uh, worked with Dwight, um, you know, LeBron's around, he keep him in line, all this stuff. Like, you can kind of squint your eyes enough to see how this might work. It's not a good idea. But I mean, it's representative of what's, here's the, what what's would there. Make, here's what would make you skeptical. First of all, the type of culture that he got shipped out of the heat theoretically is, you know, a good one. Right. So, I mean, it's the type of culture that usually keeps players in line. Um, there's also a lot of green crosses in the city, Brian. It's true. And well, that could keep him in line. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We we've seen he he doesn't stop at one edible. That's true. <laughs> like I mean, I'm I'm only on being one hand, semi facetious. Do it right, and it takes the edge off. Do it wrong, saying, this, and you this, pass out on the airplane. This is a city where it's hard to walk 15 feet. Oh, I without got seen a green I cross. Got, I want to say in a square mile, I could probably walk to 10 dispensaries. Yeah, at my house. Yeah. Jeez, and if I was willing to get into a car, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying there's, really there's an awful net. lot in this. Yeah, city. No, there's no, it's it's available. I mean, but then here's the problem, though. I mean, and this is where you I like would... how you keep using the the just singular article the with the problem. Like, here's the problem. But I, I was going to yeah. say here's here's the problem, and this is Brian why you might allow yourself uh, to just squint and squint and squint as much as necessary to make Dion Waiters feel like a good idea is when you start looking down the potential other options, they don't necessarily seem more appealing. Like, for example, a guy like Marvin Williams could have been a solid wing option. Yeah, helpful guy. Right. Not, you know, does he, does he specifically address, like, the, the, the more acute needs of the Lakers in, like, a really tailored way, whether it's, obviously, he's not, do what Collison did, um, like, great wing defense, something like that. No, not really, but he's a good player and adding a good player to right. your rotation no, is never a bad teammate thing. all that sort of all stuff. that stuff he got scooped up in like 10 minutes after he got waved uh by the by the hornets it felt to me like that might have been prearranged <laughs> may, may very well have been uh by milwaukee um you know john jeff, Ham john hammond's just really on top of it i mean jeff green has no been available no. for a while like tyler johnson is apparently just got released called. by or getting released by the sun right i mean you know tyler he was johnson a, you know he was not He's at least kind of intriguing. He was not a terrible player in Miami. No, and he was he had, good enough that Phoenix paid him all that money. Right. And he, you know, he can do a little bit of playmaking. You know, he can do some scoring. He's a solid, if not spectacular, outside shooter. Yeah, he shot about 37, 38% in his, in his Miami time. I don't count anything in Phoenix. Right. Um, so, I mean, you know, Mo Harkless may actually get released by the Knicks. Maybe. I've, and, and, what I've read there, though, is like if. The if he wants to be bought out, right. the Knicks will accommodate. Right, him. exactly. But we don't know if he right. wants. I mean, to be I'm just saying out. he could potentially become an option, and he would definitely help uh, the wing It'd defense. Be great. And it also helps that he knows everything the Clippers run. That's right. He's like a spy. But I mean, you know, he I, also might want to stay in New York, play and get paid. Right. He may want to stay, play and get paid. Try he's get paid. Fr he's from New York. So um, like, right. And I've read in a couple places that like playing for the Knicks has always been kind of a dream. Yeah, exactly. So why I mean, anybody wouldn't want to wake up from that? But <laughs> I mean, look, some dreams are not meant to come true, Andy. Uh, uh, you know, or they, they're not as good in the reality. They always say that dreams, Brian, can be interpreted like fifteen different ways. Who knows what the dream to play with the Knicks actually means? But. Hates and then, himself. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, 
Yeah, that doesn't suck. I'm just saying, like, there are not a lot of options. That's why you might actually try to talk yourself into Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters is arguably the most talented guy in that group. But, like, here's... Let's let's set these names aside. I think we can all agree that other than maybe Harkless, who does, he creates a little bit of a problem because he's not a good floor spacer. No, he's had, he's had like one decent season in his career as a as a three point. No, it's part of the reason that Portland eventually moved right. him. Is it's just, just not there a, were too many times in the playoffs shoot. wouldn't make threes, and so, but at least you he'd be a viable body in a in a conference finals good against the Clippers and yeah. and all that stuff. It gets to the problem of. The Lakers now have no real avenue to external improvement, at least. Like, you know, they got a Rondo problem. They got a backup point guard problem. Uh, they have a LeBron problem in the sense that they're entirely too dependent on him. There's no help out there like that goes beyond the market. I mean, unless somebody becomes really unexpectedly available on the buyout. It's market. possible. I mean, and, you never know, but, but right now the signs don't point And it's also it. and the fewer players are probably going to come on the normal just because there are more teams that are still competing for playoff spots because the bottom teams in the conference are so bad. And then you look at like Jay Crowder people and I'm not a big Jay Crowder fan. I think he's a pretty overrated player. But another guy who would have been a big body that you could use on a wing in a, in a playoff series not he's just he, People refer to him like he's a 3 and D guy. He's not, because he's not a good enough shooter. But he's somebody you could be like, okay, I can see how that could help. He's not going to be released by Miami. They're going to hold on to him. And so just there's no help out there. And I watch this team, and they, they look, I realize they, you know, they won Saturday, and they're 38 and 12, and or 39 and 12, and you don't want to panic. But they're a team that I think needs a little bit of help. Clippers got better. Denver didn't get worse. Lakers need some help. Yeah. And ultimately, they're going to have to, if possible. I, well, okay, here's one more name, maybe, like in terms of just defense. I mean, God knows he could uh, create issues for you offensively. But Michael Kidd Gilchrist, he becomes available. I like him because he sounds like a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you Oh no, Kid Gilchrist. Yeah, <laughs> I, ooh, absolutely. You know, who get? Ooh, that guy just like you. Know, he bursts open through the the double saloon doors. Kid Gilchrist, you know, he'll take you out with one shot. But I mean, he's he's a good wing defender. I mean, you know, maybe you bring him in just knowing he will crater a lot of your space. But, again, but also offense, too, is he? But, can he move? Is he healthy? Is he? I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, I, he's another guy who's never been able to stay on the floor. No, I, I'm again, I'm just throwing out potential names if for no other reason. To uh, let you know how those names may not actually provide much help. Yeah, so I mean, it, it it raises an interesting question, sort of where things stand in the Western Conference right now. Because you're right, the Lakers played a very ineffectual game, to say the least, Saturday night against uh, against the Warriors, and you know they they got out to you know sort of a slow and disinterested start, built up a, a big lead. And I think thought the Warriors were going to be done, which is a stupid thing to assume when you're playing a team of G leaguers, basically, because those guys never stop playing hard. No, if anything, that's the something the Lakers should have known from last year's team that they were putting out there with a bunch right. of G leaguers. Just those guys always play hard. So yeah, but like, you know, we talk about the LeBron problem, and you know, a team that looks tired and looks like they need a break. Like there have been too many games like this. Where they have an opportunity, you know, LeBron plays his stint at the beginning of the fourth quarter, leaves the game, and shouldn't have to come back in. And he does. 
And it's just little stuff that sort of piles up and piles up. And over time, like why it matters so much now to me, Andy, is in the wake of Collison not coming back, the Lakers' playoff chances feel very one-dimensional. It's how good can LeBron be? You know, AD is going to be okay, but like the Lakers don't have the depth of Denver. They don't have the depth of Utah. They certainly don't have the depth of the Clippers. Any, you, know, you have to be able to kind of maximize LeBron. See, it's interesting. I, I think that they have the depth. What I don't think they is don't they have quality some, depth. I, I, well, it's not even so much a lack of quality of depth as much as it is they don't have a depth of options. Like they have a bunch of solid. No, that's true. They have they have a bunch of solid players that you would want on a playoff roster. But what we've seen is they don't have a lot of different ways that they can play. I mean, like even you look at like the idea of them going small. You know, we saw them doing it by their standards more against Against Houston. Dwight didn't. Dwight didn't play in the fourth quarter. But even the, when they really do, the second half, did he play in the second half? Not much. I don't think he played in the second half. Not much. If he played, it was sparingly. I don't at best. think he played in the second half. But even when they play small, they basically play the same way. Like they're they're yeah, not a LeBron. team. You're right. They're not a team that really switches up a lot of what they do. And you know that became really evident against Houston. And they talked after the game about how they were really just trying to force mismatches into the post, doing the same like you know. Put it into AD, right. clear out, like, and, they, and they just they short circuited their own offense in the effort to try to do but, that. But in a lot of like you and I, I remember you and I were talking after uh, after the Houston game about what I think will make Houston, if nothing else, frustrating at times for teams to go up against is you know they're a team that you're going to try to work mismatches against them using your size if you have it, and you know very often what you do is you work advantages and you hope that teams make adjustments to what you're doing. And in doing that, they play in ways they're not as comfortable. Right. And then you can capitalize. Houston, for better or worse, can only play one right. way. And it should be noted, the Rockets have lost twice since that game. Sure. So it's like, you know, they're, they're more of all, they, they, they lost over the weekend to, to Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, Westbrook didn't play in that game, but they lost tonight with both of those guys on the floor to but, Utah. But what's interesting about them is, you know, for, for better or for worse, they can only play one way. There will be no adjustments right. by, by Houston. The Lakers. However many ways you think that they theoretically at least could play, they don't do it. No, it's they they play in a they play LeBron. Yeah, and what's but like you know the Rockets thing is also interesting to me that that game was because people talk about the Rockets as a small team. They're going small. That's true. They're not, but they're not small. They're short. And if you look at some of the the teams that have given the Lakers trouble this year. We've talked about a bunch. It's these teams with like big, strong wings. And the Rockets are almost now entirely constructed in, in a lot of ways. They're kind of constructed as a bunch of wings. Harden is a guard who is a big, strong guy who's built like a wing. Westbrook is short, but is essentially a middle linebacker. You saw him in the paint with the Lakers, like the sequences where he's literally lifting Kyle Kuzma off of his feet, trying to go like... It's not even that he's out quicking somebody like Kuzma. He is physically overpowering somebody like him. You know, PJ Tucker is one of these sawed off large bodies. Covington is a, you know, big, strong wing. You know, like, so some of these players, and the Rockets aren't a perfect example of this, but it, it, they fit when I kind of thought about it a little bit after the game. It felt to me like they, in some ways, they kind of fit with like 
some of the other types of players and teams that have given them trouble. Yeah, I mean, we've had this discussion before. I don't agree with you. I don't. I don't want to go really right. No, far no, down no the but the Rockets. Hole. But you look at the the Celtics and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And yes. You look at, you know, we've seen this. We've seen it with the Sixers. Right. Uh, we've seen it with the Clippers. Right. We've seen it with the Bucks. We've and seen so it with my point the isn't that it's a straight up apples to apples comparison. It's just that there are, to me at least, there were enough similarities that I kind of was like reminded of some of these things, and you know, so I agree with you that stylistically they're they they become one dimensional. But I also think they're they they are short on depth, not just of style, but also on talent like Denver is not as good as the Lakers top two Jokic is awesome and he's playing MVP caliber ball over the last like six weeks but you know that him and Jamal Murray are not as good as LeBron and AD but the rest of that team is better like down the roster to guys who matter you're talking you know Will Barton and Millsap and Grant who's been Jeremy Grant's been great for them you know last both of us <laughs> thought that was a really good pickup yeah, over the Michael offseason. Porter Jr. has come along really yeah. well. And Monty Morris is a pretty good player. Torrey Craig is a pretty good player. Like they're better. I mean, know. they gave up Malik Beasley in that deal. Malik Beasley's a solid player. Yeah. And they, and they just didn't really need him. No, and Plumley, when Plumley comes back, he's a solid player. Like they're they are just a better team three through whatever the end of the rotation is. The Clippers, especially now after Morris are better three certainly three through whatever and you know as much as you kind of look at lebron you go like you know lebron and ad elevated but it's not like Kawhi leonard is like a terrible guy to stake your claim in in the playoffs so i just worry now in the wake of the morris trade you have three teams as of sunday night that were that are within three games of each other it's the lakers denver and the clippers uh, Clippers endeavor three games back. So essentially, you're talking about three teams uh, for those top, you know, for that top spot. The Clippers, you could argue, were marginally better than the Lakers anyway before the deadline, records notwithstanding, in part based on matchups. After the Morris trade and after Collison stays off the market, I don't see how you can make an argument that the, the Lakers are a better team than the Clippers. Well, here's here's where I would say, it, in some ways, it doesn't even matter. Um, if you want to say that the Lakers, Brian, are better than the Clippers, like you just think that 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 LeBron and Anthony Davis is that type of combination that is so difficult to scheme against, and that they have enough solid players around them to make them, on balance, a better team than the Clippers against the rest of the league, I could hear that argument. The problem, though, that the Lakers may have is the Clippers may be better suited to play them. Like, the matchup that the Clippers force onto the Lakers yeah, in terms absolutely. of the problems that they cause might make it so even if you think the Lakers are better against the rest of the league than the Clippers, the Clippers may just be really difficult for them specifically yeah. to match up against and, I, and to stop. And this is where that like the Clippers may exacerbate more of the Lakers' problems uh, sure. than any other team. And now they are more able to put yes. it up. They have another body to put on LeBron. They have another body to throw. Like, and the Lakers still are short on answers for Kawhi. If you put, you know, I guess, you know, in a, in a playoff series, and Danny Green is primarily going to be responsible for Paul George for a lot. I mean, I, that, but like, I don't know. I don't know how you answer a lot of these questions. Like, um, you know, who picks up Kawhi? Who picks up Paul George? Who's guarding? You know, I mean, 
if, if, if in a lineup of Lou Williams with George and Leonard and Morris and you know maybe it's Landry Shamit if they're going small maybe it's Montrez Harrell whatever the lineup is like that is a really difficult lineup for the Lakers to match up. It is. I mean, I I wonder if ultimately the answer, particularly down the stretch, might be Danny Green on Paul George, Anthony Davis. Davis. On Kawhi and then LeBron on Marcus Morris. Possibly. Or at least over stretches of a game. I mean, in the last three or four minutes, you may just go with what is our best matchup. Right. Everybody's just going to have to it, cut this thing out. That, this is where the that that style versatility that you were talking about before becomes a problem. Because like the Lakers, like the Clippers, you can look at it and like, wow, they can kind of do a, a few different things. They can try A, they can try B, they can try C. And the Lakers, like so much of it feels to me now, like, and I'm not saying it can't happen, but so much of it feels now like LeBron elevates in the playoffs in a way that, you know, will just help carry them. And that is a tall order against a team like the Clippers because Kawhi's going to get better in the playoffs too. You know, and even if you think LeBron's better than Kawhi, it's not like the gap there is just. No, I mean, you will take some solace as a Laker fan knowing that Anthony Davis's sample size in the playoffs, while small, has been awesome. Mm-hmm. He's been and really, Paul George has been inconsistent. He's been inconsistent. Anthony Davis has been better again, smaller sample size, but he has been better in the playoffs, I think, than Paul George has been. We've talked about this, Brian, all season. And we're going to keep talking about it. A lot of this comes down to Kuzma. Like a lot of this just comes down to Kyle Kuzma has not been consistently what they need. And you know, I've been beating this drum since the off season. The Lakers, in order for them to meet whatever you think their highest ceiling is, there was no greater X factor than Kyle Kuzma. Because if anybody was going to make the Lakers one through three as good as any team in the league, it was or, or just make yeah. it so no, right. at least there's a bit of cushion between one and two and everyone else, it's Kuzma and he hasn't been it. And it becomes particularly acute now that because th- there's, there's, there's functionally helps not out there. And so now you're really talking about internal improvement, whether that means Kuzma gets better, uh, adjustments in your rotation. So, I mean, less Rajon. Maybe some schematic. We're really just, we're talking about less Rajon Rondo in a lot of ways. But then how do you do it? <laughs> like, how, how do you actually do it? Because I think, you know, there are, Avery Bradley was great on Saturday, but I think you, too much of Avery Bradley, too much of Alex Caruso, too much of whatever, may be a better option than any Rondo. But like, I, there's a diminishing return here. I mean, KCP's a little banged up. He's got this shoulder thing, and you know he's kind of cooled off a little bit. Like you can't expect KCP to shoot 44 percent or whatever from three point range for the rest of the year. Like something else has got to happen. As as good as Dwight has been this year, and as good as Javale McGee has been this year, you know I've made this point a few times too, Brian. This is where you really miss Demarcus. Yep. This is where you miss Demarcus Cousins, especially with the idea of. Where can the second unit have playmaking potential that doesn't rely almost solely on Rondo? Because as frustrating as Rondo can be, and as much as he's not helping in the ways that the Lakers need him right now, Frank Vogel is justified in keeping him on the floor. Well, some agree. I mean, there are people who disagree with you, but I, 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 at the very least, it's you can find the it's justification. Not like, it's not it, like they're they're playing. The are five guys on the bench. Right. I mean, there, there's right. nobody that at least theoretically does what Rondo does, even if you don't think Rondo does it well enough to be on the floor 
The options behind him to even talk about it as a theoretical. Right, Rondo, the problem is Rondo just doesn't do the things that he's right, supposed but, to do. Right, but not with any consistency. But he does them better than any other option. If that's what you're looking for. Yes. At least I'm, in theory. In, KCP, he, by the way, over his last 10 games, 36% for three point. It was not terrible. No. But he was up in the 40s before. Right, like, exactly. Little, so it's just like that's water seeks its own level eventually. Um, it really is right. It's down to Kuzma. It's it's adjustments that Frank Vogel and the coaching staff can make. It's figuring out a ways to uh, maybe perhaps you know just rest guys more. And if you lose games, dropping the seeds, whatever it is, like just recognize like this is what we have. We have to be able to maximize it in the springtime. They've been they have been. I remember you and I, Brian, did an episode uh, for Spectrum TV, the the network, the Lakers network. We we appear you know every few weeks or so, coming on. Uh, Making yes. quality television. Yes, we do. Uh, just by definition, us being in that studio. But a few weeks ago, I actually made the point that they were looking to me like they were tired because we, we appeared coming off a loss of theirs where a few players, open, I think it was Avery Bradley and Danny Green, uh, Jared Dudley, all said that they thought whoever beat them had outworked them. And it was like the second time in three games that the Lakers who, to their credit, have been a team that have played really hard this season, yes. consistently looked out, worked. You can't help but think that between the way they have not paced themselves at all in the regular season, and then I, everything... I don't totally agree with you about that, just because I, I don't think they've overworked LeBron and AD. No, but I'm saying as, as a team, they have not paced themselves. Like they, they have treated the regular season like it matters. LeBron and Anthony Davis have played really hard right, everybody's over the course hard. of this year. Like they're, but they're not playing crazy minutes. Like nobody's, no, but, the, but they're know. not playing coasting minutes either. And a lot, I mean, we we've been around teams that coast through the regular season. This hasn't been one of them. No, I agree. And I think, you. and I think that they've had moment, they have moments in games where they coast, sure. but that's not. I mean, but they're just they're on si- balance. They have it. they're six and five in their last eleven games. Obviously, the mental fatigue. I think in the wake of Kobe, every every veteran team, I think, sort of looks forward to the All Star break and and is kind of throws it into a different gear mentally. It's not unusual. Um, the 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 toll of the Kobe stuff is immeasurable because you don't get away from it when you go on the road. Every road place oh, they Golden State, they did a tribute to, it. and so like, and that's going to happen. Understandably, in every place, sure. Every place they go, to, at least for the first time, is going to is going to have one, and they they clearly need the All Star break, but. I just and it's not it's not even so much I think AD and LeBron are being worn down in ways that are like irresponsible, but you know you got Danny Green on this team, you got Avery Bradley, and you have a lot of dudes who are a little bit older and Javale and Dwight and like the the a ten percent drop in sort of the efficiency and the Christmas with those guys were moving and the energy level and all that would make a they're going to lose a lot more games than than. They otherwise would have. Like they don't have. We've talked about it all year. They don't have a lot of margin for error. And where I'm, and maybe you can kind of talk me down off this. There's some recency bias here, no question. They're six and five in their last eleven games. They haven't looked great since the end of the, uh, you know, the, the ten game win streak. I, I I feel like some of these little warning signs are becoming more important. Again, maybe it's just because they aren't going to be able to improve themselves externally in any meaningful way it doesn't look like. You know, some of the problems that they have against wings, the lack of a point guard, my concerns about sort of just the supporting cast generally and how much you're going to be asking LeBron and AD to do, it's 
not apples to apples to use that again, but it reminds me of 2011 a little bit with that team going for the three-peat, and we're like, oh, they'll be okay. They'll flip the switch It'll because the Lakers, this, these guys, are the Lakers, they'll figure it out. And in and the end of the year, you look at it, well, of course they didn't. They just weren't that good. These guys are 39 and 12. But I wonder if we're ignoring a little bit of the warning signs. Well, I maybe I, I want to see. I mean, you and I, I don't I'm try. Anything, I really but, am trying. I'm not trying to be like hot takey, overreacting. I want to see what it looks like after the All Star break because I think I think the rest and the time away from this will help everybody. Yeah, and I and I think that they need that because again, I I have been thinking that they've been looking tired well before this point now, where everybody agrees they are tired. You know, because the the weaknesses that they have are the weaknesses that they've had, and they, they've been there yeah, all they're season. Say, and they're not going to change. Right. And their it, strengths are their strengths, and they're hopefully right. not going to change but the, either. But there's nothing that, you know, once we saw sort of what this team was, you know, after a few weeks, there's nothing that's really emerged positive or negative in terms of strengths or weaknesses. Like, it, everything had been pretty well established pretty early on. You know, I mean, I, maybe the exception you might say is that you know, the first, I don't know, 10 games Rondo played, he played reasonably well, and then he reverted it's to right, last year's reverted. form. And Avery Bradley, who got off to a great start, then, you know, the injury stuff, and had a terrible December, I believe it was, has actually sure. kind of bounced back and played but it, better. But, it, you know, you could also wonder if that's just Avery Bradley being kind of inconsistent. The way right, but I'm just saying, like, I, I thought that was going to be, sure. like, that was the end of that one, but, too. But, but in terms of, like, big sweeping things, there really hasn't been much that has developed in nope. either direction since the first few weeks of the season. I would agree. So I'm curious to see how they look after a break, and then you can really gauge the idea of, okay, how much of this is they needed they needed to just take a rest versus, okay, these problems are really starting to manifest in ways that other teams that are good are capitalizing on. I, you know, it, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, it's hard to know exactly. Like, the margin, I think it's very clear. The Lakers are an elite team. I think it's very clear. They are not an elite team with sort of head and shoulders. They're not Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference where no. you look at it and go, like Miami, I, I thought that you know what Miami did at the deadline with with Iguodala was great. Um, you know all the tax machinations and stuff. They're not going to win a title if Milwaukee if something weird doesn't happen in Milwaukee because Milwaukee's the best team in that conference. What they did was put themselves right at the top of eh, if something weird happens to Milwaukee, you know uh, Middleton gets hurt or Giannis sprains an ankle or whatever it might be. Now they can go to the finals. And we learn, you know, go, weird thing happened to Golden State last year. Like, stuff happens on the way. The Lakers aren't that team. They're not Milwaukee in the West. And I'm not, there may not be a team like Milwaukee in the West. But, you know, Denver's really good. Um, the Lakers are really good. And the Clippers are really good. But I feel, at least as far as the Lakers and Clippers go, the Clippers clearly have more paths to a finals than the Lakers do. They're a more versatile team. Yeah. They're, they're a more versatile team in the way that they can play. They And in particular, they have more versatility in the way that they go about their matchup against the Lakers. Yes. Like they, they match up very well for a team that is looking to disrupt LeBron. You know, they, they don't have a, you know, they have more now with Marcus Morris, I was going to say, in terms of natural matchups for Anthony Davis. But what they can they, throw a lot of bodies at LeBron. Right. 
But that and that's ultimately what they're banking on, at least defensively. Just I think so. We are going yeah. to disrupt what the Lakers do offensively because we've seen what happens like when LeBron is disrupted. Like they AD, they're not they, when they when they're AD centric in that way, or LeBron's on a, on the floor, doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about the 2011 team, and you know, you and I covered that that group that everybody kept giving you know the benefit of the doubt. They'll flip the switch, and then they didn't. Right again, record was never this right. good. Standings were never this good, but. For better or for worse, in terms of the way you're trying to figure out how to evaluate the Lakers, they're not a team that's looking to flip the switch. No. Like, and, you know, they, they may be able to improve what they're doing, but they do give you, a, I think, a more solid idea of who they are. Again, for better or for worse. Like, there's not as much, I think, benefit of the doubt slash unknowns with this team as there is with the 2011 team. Again, yeah. take that however no, I agree. you want. And, and- it's just this this week was a bad one for the yep. Lakers in terms of evaluating what's coming after the All Star break. This wasn't a good week, um, and it could get better. They could figure some stuff out. Names could pop up. Something could happen. It's far. I mean, if they if they just go through the rest of the season with this, they can still win a title. It's not like it's over or something. I'm not you know I'm not freaking out here. They're in first place in the Western Conference. It got a lot harder this week. Um, Oscars tonight. Yeah. Any, any reaction? Parasite, big winner. Yeah. Parasite uh, won four Oscars, best picture, best director, uh, screenplay, editing, uh, three Oscars for Bong Joon-ho, uh, the, who really was the, he was the man of the evening. Yes. He was the star of that show. Um, it was actually really cool. The first Oscar that he won uh, co-writing the screenplay that moment where, and I, I don't remember the name of his co-writer, but as that speech is going it was, on, it was, uh, Steve. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, uh, Bong Joon Ho, I believe, spoke first. But there's that moment where his co-writer is speaking, and you see Bong Joon Ho just staring at his Oscar, uh-huh. and just this joy, really cool. just yeah. this joy on neat. his face, as if he was alone in a room. Brian just staring at this thing, like I cannot believe. This is happening. Yeah, it was really cool. And um, it's this was history being made. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that a, a foreign language film, now referred to an international film, won Best Picture. By the way, they also won for international foreign language, whatever it is. Like, like, do they even bother taking that one home? Like, when you win, oh, you know what? I take it when I, you win both. Like the one that you get, like for, in, your, in your adorable little international film category. Like you just leave that in the bathroom. Yeah, like, I wonder if actually, am I wrong? Did they win five or four? I don't know. They Either won a way, lot. Yeah, they, they did. won director, uh, picture, screenplay. Yes, I thought they won editing. Sure, um, and they won a lot. Um, so that was really good. Yeah. Um, um this was the first year for me that I I I, I stand corrected. Six. It won six. <laughs> it won six. It also won pro- uh, production design. I, oh no no no! I, I take it back. I'm sorry. It won four. Okay, pick a lane. <laughs> one four. They won four. Um, did not win editing. Did not win editing. This is the wrong. first year that I have I have not seen I, I have not seen literally it filled out the Oscar. But I did it anyway. I have seen nothing on that list. Yeah, none. I have not seen movies this year. Well, my big takeaway from this from this tonight. Joaquin Phoenix is officially on my list, and I keep a running list of the 10 people on the planet Earth that I least want a road trip with. 
Walking Phoenix earned his way onto that list. It would be intense. That is too much. That's an intense car I do car not, ride. that, like, five miles, maybe, I, I, in LA traffic, like, maybe. But I'm not doing hundreds of miles in a car with Joaquin Phoenix. I'm not doing that. You're not going across the entire state That's of too much. Yeah. That is a lot. Dude. That is a lot. I mean, I will say this because his speech uh, elicited a lot of different reactions. It did. It was from the heart. I'm, I'm not saying he's oh, no, not no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying because there are a lot of people who will say that it was pretentious. I found it less pretentious than a lot of people that just go up there and give the laundry list of yeah. people to thank. You know, like and by the way, you can be genuine and pretentious. Sure, but I do it every day. That, no, you're not genuine <laughs> at all, Brian. No, I'm genuinely pretentious. <laughs> well, okay, that part that part be, is genuine, Andy. That I, part not, I am true. not going to sit here and let you accuse me of not uh, my pretentiousness is not genuine. No worry. I'm, now that I understand okay? exactly what you're saying, Thank I you. won't make that argument. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is an intense. He's an intense It's too man. much, and I'm not getting into a car with that. Um, so it's like, there there are other people on that list, uh, right. but he Dude, is- Bong Joon-ho seems like no, he'd be I, awesome no, he's in, in a you know, he's in. He's in the car. Um, um, I'm yeah. going, I, you know. Four Oscars, uh, picture, director, screenplay, international picture, just to get that all in place perfectly. Yeah. It is, if you have not seen it, it is a fantastic movie. Like, it, what's really cool about seeing the history being made, Brian, is that it's for a movie that 100% deserves- Oh yeah, everybody, everybody's super excited about it. And my my biggest problem is, um, was we're both um, SAG after you know from from the radio work. They're still really. I didn't have time to watch enough of the digital screeners. I don't think Parasite was sent as a digital. It was. Screener. It was. Yeah, oh, I screwed that up. But I have a pile of DVDs. I don't have a DVD player anymore. <laughs> I mean, they might as well send VHS tapes. You know what? At this point. Go get one. There, you can get a DVD player for like fifty. Bucks. I think I hook it up. It's really easy. I'm not saying I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, a technical wizard. You know what? I, I mean, hook seriously, up a DVD you're, you're moving and you're going to be rehooking up this stuff anyway. Our DVD player is broken. I got to get another one. Go get another DVD player. They're really inexpensive. They are now. You know why? Nobody uses right. them. Right. I'm just saying it's, it is worth it just to watch Parasite. Yeah. My streamers, but like the streamers that they give you uh, when you're in the union expire at the end of the SAG yeah. awards. Like they're not permanent. Yeah, which makes sense. Like they're not, you're not just getting a free copy of the movie. You're supposed to, so you can go vote. Um, so that I have not seen anything. I, but I own most of the, uh, most of these films. Yeah, I, I was going to say also too because you know the what it, what gets nominated and you know often what wins, you know gets scrutinized. You know, a billion different ways people complain, and the Academy did not get it perfect this year. But by and large, I actually thought they did a pretty good job just nominating good stuff. Like, you know, I mean, there's some stuff that it got overlooked. Like, I think Uncut Gems deserved more mm -hmm. attention. Dolomite is My Name deserved more attention. I would have loved to seen some recognition for the actors from Parasite. You know, like Jennifer Lopez. Well, no, I, mean, I was surprised obviously every year, every year there's a lot of, of attention paid to minorities yes, and, and, absolutely. and women and all that. And, right. And... You know, it's 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 a looking just at a, a nomination is a very reductive way of figuring. Yeah, I mean, there, like, there are, look the the I, I don't remember her name, but the composer who won best score for Joker that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's a really that's the first big, time that's ever happened. I believe so. I believe so. That, that's a big and, deal. You know, it's 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 a it's a, it's an important shorthand, but really, you know, I think there's a larger conversation there about 
you know, usually it's two or three or four movies a year where you're even kind of given the opportunity to pull a director. Yeah. And that's, that's the, right. that's the fundamental problem. Yeah. Or I pull mean, a, pull a, a, a cinema. There are no, there are like three working like high profile yeah, last year cinematographers. Uh, I, I don't remember her name but i i believe it was either last year or two years ago but the cinematographer to the movie mudbound uh, is a woman right and she got nominated like, and that, that was, was a right big it's deal. like that the issue is like like that's what we're i, I think believe a, a black woman no about. less i mean like it's a really big deal and so stuff like that i mean it's a different different conversation but like i will say on the broadcast they leaned into finding women <laughs> everywhere else like they they were very aware, right, and um, of of what the you academy can definitely didn't do. argue that the that the academy could have done a better job with representation, and that's pretty much an you know by and large that's a yearly effort. issue. But I did think they did a pretty good job by and large, at least nominating quality, because there will be times when you see what gets nominated, or you know even what wins a hashtag Green Book. Where you look at it and you're like, really? Well, that's where I like last year's Green the, Book the, and Bohemian the extension, Rhapsody. The extension of the academy to more people, right. younger people, probably helps. But I'm just saying, like, there will be times where even you don't even have to look back that long, and you're like, wow, like that got nominated. I have a feeling that in the you know, sort of like how we look at Crash, as just like guys, that was a, that was a mistake. We're gonna look back at Green Book and be like, dudes, yeah. I mean, but I, I think on. by and I, I've seen most of what got nominated or multiple nominations, stuff like that. By and large, if nothing else, I thought they did a pretty good job of nominating quality. Yeah. And that's something. Um, all right. Well, I yeah, am. Go see Parasite. Go I, see yeah, it. Go see it. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to. I would remind everyone to uh, not take any of my movie takes about this year. At all, seriously. If you ever hear them, you should. You remember back to this podcast, Andy, when I admit it, I've seen nothing. Um, I believe the last movie I saw was Bird Box. (laughs) 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 Which was not nominated. Um, And also, from what I've been told, not from this year. (laughs) I don't think it was from this year, actually. I I I watched the Bird Box um, on on Netflix. Not great. (laughs) Um, anywho, it's been interesting. The Lakers got two games this week before the All Star break. They badly need the All Star break. We'll uh, we'll come up with something to talk about over the uh, the course of their their ten days off or so. It will probably not be the All Star game because Andy and I both uh, don't care. But uh, there's will be plenty. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, rate, subscribe. That's all. And review. That's the other one. Thank you very much. And uh, this, this has been the Magic Hour.